Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello and welcome back to another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by Oscar Way, our amazing senior economist. Hi, everyone. Nice to uh, hear you guys and nice to be able to share our voices with you guys about uh, our latest market update. Yeah, exactly, because we got a lot of interesting stuff coming down the pike and actually some some fairly decent news again. So this time we're going to run through the housing market update that we just put out from October, which shows that the market continues to actually move forward. But we do want to touch on housing affordability as well, because we know that that's often one of the biggest stumbling blocks in the market. And those numbers look like they've improved a bit uh, as well. And so we're going to go through all of that stuff, talk about what we see at the national level, and then just wrap up at the end with some quick updates on the macro environment, because the economy is actually seeming to, to continue to move forward as well. So let's get into the housing market stuff, because we just did release the October 2019 market update. And in fact, sales were up again, right, Oscar? Yeah, it's up again, and um, well, not a huge surprise. I mean, we have been seeing some sales increase for the last two, three months. Actually, beginning of the second half of the year, we have been seeing some increase. And I said it's not a surprise because last year, second half of the year, we had a terrible second right. half. And we were down, what, 10% or so on a monthly basis last year, so uh, on, on second half. So I'm not too surprised. Um, no, but and that's an important time. point. You know, it's not that we're necessarily doing so great right now, but it's just in comparison to where we were uh, last year that we're posting some decent increases, although it does seem like low rates have started to to really kick in, right? Yeah, I mean, look at, you know, the rates that we are at right now. We have, what, a rate of... Um, well, below 4% at 3.75 or so right now, roughly. I mean, I don't have the exact rate right in front of me. And that really makes a difference because last year at this time, uh, it was uh, close to 5%. So a significant difference. But the, the difference is uh, like over 100 basis point, which is the biggest decline that we have seen, seen since uh, 10 years ago. And so, I mean, I think it is. Um, it affects the mortgage payments uh, quite significantly. Yeah. Um, we have talked about this in our presentation. Sure. Uh, the mortgage payment is now like $200 uh, difference, even though we have an increase of, uh, uh, of home prices. Right. And so even on a more expensive home, it actually costs you less on a monthly basis because of how much uh, rates have fallen. And I do think that goes a long way towards explaining both why we're maybe doing better right now uh, and also why things weren't as great at this time last year. So maybe those growth rates are a little bit uh, exaggerated, but when rates are high, that really takes a lot of buyers out of the market. And when they come down, as they have, like you said, by almost 115 basis points over the last year, that brings some buyers back into the market. And I think that that is why uh, we do see those sales starting to tick up. So how did that that kind of shake out, right? Because we're starting to see, I think, one of the themes I've pulled out at least is that some of our, our old familiar friends seem mm -hmm. to be uh, rearing their ugly head again because we have, um, you know, 
some decent growth in that kind of middle tier of of home prices, but then right. we've got weakness at both the top end of the market and the bottom end of the market, right? Yeah, we talk about that, you know, quite a bit. And I know the story is a little different between the top end and the bottom end. I'll talk about the bottom end a little bit and I'll let you talk about the top end. Um, the bottom end, it's the same story as we have seen before. We know, you know, how many people can find a $300,000 home in California? It seems, it seems like at a national level, yeah. that's a high number. But in California, it's not. It's not harder, a very high number. These days, yeah. Right. And so we have been seeing some drop off in supply um, in um, the lower end, and it seems to be affecting sales quite a bit. Um, and in fact, you know, in the at the bottom end, we have been seeing a, a more than 10% drop in the last few months, at least maybe going for, you know, a couple of years already. But at the top end, the story is a little different. We also are seeing some drop off in the top end, right? Yeah. So the so those homes over two million, which had you know kind of rallied a few months ago, and and maybe as that uh, volatility in the financial markets died down a little bit, we saw the the top end really come back. But but now homes above two million were actually down by about 3.2 percent. Now I don't think that's necessarily an an inventory issue as it is at the bottom end of the market, right? We talk always about the the kind of tale of two markets where the lack of supply is really hurting the bottom end where folks do in fact want to jump into the market. I think the top end is much more a story of, you know, consumer confidence and just um, economic uncertainty, right? When those financial markets are all over the place and we don't know what the economic outlook looks like, uh, then I think those buyers at the top end who are, who are really, frankly, buying more um, luxury homes, it's not just a, a shelter issue at those price points, tend to be a little bit more reluctant. And I think that's what you're seeing in these October numbers for those homes uh, over over 2 million. But it was a pretty consistent theme that we saw uh, across the state where that middle category did okay because uh, almost every region in the state actually improved last month, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And one more thing to add to you know the top end. I know um, in the uh, top end in the Bay Area, we have a lot of people who are who, a lot of home buyers. Um, they are in the tech industry, and tech industries, people who work in the tech industry tend to have uh, a little bit more sensitive to the stock market, awesome, right? Because they have stock options or whatever, and so chances are when the stock market starts uh, uh, being becoming a little bit more volatile, it affects home sales, and I think we are seeing a little bit of that in the Bay Area, which affect the high-end markets as well. Yeah, in particular, for sure. Yeah, but it looks like you know, uh, just based on our pending sales number, it looks like we will have a um, you know next couple months. It seems to be a uh, it will turn out to be decent, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. And I think a lot of the challenges that we saw a few years ago are going to persist. That's why we don't want to be overly uh, optimistic about these numbers, but we do want to definitely acknowledge that the numbers have been better. This is the fourth month in a row, and it mm -hmm, looks like from the mm -hmm. pending sales numbers that will continue on into the fifth and, and potentially sixth month moving forward, those low rates are are definitely helping some folks to to kind of make that jump and and motivate buyers to to get back into the market. And we see that in the price numbers as well, right? Because yeah. it's not just sales that are going up, uh, but we also saw a decent jump in in prices in October. Yeah, it's pretty decent. You know, you you put it very uh, correctly. Six percent increase in uh, price on a year over year basis. That's actually the largest that we have seen that we haven't seen right. for quite some time, and uh, it continues to stay on uh, above six hundred thousand for the seventh consecutive month. 
um, which yeah. which is a little surprise, but maybe I shouldn't be surprised, you know, with um, the mortgage rates going down that much, you know, yep. and, and at the same time, you know, we are looking at, um, you know, 110 basis point difference. Now, one thing I want to point out, though, uh, before we talk about individual price segment is a single family homes seem to be doing well, but the condo townhomes market seems to be flattening out a little bit. Right. Yeah. And it seems like the last couple of months, they haven't even just been flat. They've actually uh, come down a bit. Right. And so right. Um, that's that's true. I think even, um, you know, on a on a per square foot basis. But, you know, I don't I don't want to overread into that because I'm actually surprised we're not seeing more growth on the single family side in in some ways, because, again, I think that this is in some ways a symptom of us having rebalanced and gone back to kind of that familiar theme that we had in 2016 and 2017. Uh, where, you know, inventory was falling, prices therefore are rising because there's lots of demand, especially because of these low interest rates and, and the lack of inventory is really pushing up those those home prices in a pretty significant way. And so although, yeah, you know, those those condo townhome prices tend to be a leading indicator. I think last cycle condo and townhome prices turned sooner than single family home prices. Right. But when you when you look at the the kind of leading indicators, whether it be um, you know market velocity, which is actually accelerating, or just the growth in home prices themselves, which are also accelerating, I, you know I don't see a huge red flag on the immediate horizon for for home prices. Although you know those those condo townhome prices are definitely going to be something that we keep an eye on. But when you just look at the the price per square foot there. It's not cheap to live in a in a condo or a townhome anymore, right? It's almost on par with the cost, at least on a on a per square footage basis of what you see in the single family side. Yeah, it's quite expensive, um, and uh, and of course, you know, it's not a red flag. But I think, uh, um, you know, paying four hundred per square foot, you know, that's um, pretty pretty nifty. And I want to say, of course, uh, a lot of those condo and townhomes they tend to be in areas such as you know the Bay Area, which is right. a high cost area. But also Orange County and maybe some in San Diego, which tend to be a little bit higher in terms of price. Right. And so, you know, that that kind of brings up the the price segment issue because one of the things that we do see though is that, you know, although prices are are in general ramping up and we're seeing sales grow in that kind of sub you know, 1 million or at least sub 2 million category all the way down. And there seems to be that excess demand problem at the, at the bottom end of the market. When you look at prices on a, on a kind of price segment basis, we see that, mm -hmm. that prices at the top end of the market and prices, frankly, in the Bay Area have actually started to come down a bit, right? Yeah, it has come down a bit. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, the top end, I think we continue to see the top end uh, being a little soft. The, 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 the low end, as we mentioned in the past, um, we have supply constraint issues, so it's continued to increase. But the top end, you know, softened up a little bit by about uh, two to three percent at the top end. When I see the top end, you know, we're really looking at a million, two million plus, and three million plus. You know, it seems to be the uh, issue that you mentioned. You know, they are concerned about a lot of things. You know, the uh, market in general, the, the the economy in general, the market in general. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, the Bay Area also is a little bit of uh, a little bit soft as well. I think just the Bay Area alone, it dropped like eight percent. Right, and so there's, you know, there does seem to be an upper bound that even though, um, you know, rates are low, prices are also very high, and so many folks can't afford, um, you know, housing that there there does seem to be a limit on how high those prices can go, even in in a good economy. But I think that. Uh, 
you know, it's also just a function of supply and demand too, because we know that there's more listings coming online. That's the one segment where listings are growing. And it's also the one segment where, you know, in, in addition to that kind of under 300,000 where sales are falling. So you have more supply than demand coming online. And, yeah. and that's a recipe for, for softer prices. Absolutely. Now, before we get into supply, I want to gi uh, uh, give a caveat for the drop down in price or softening in price in um, the upper price segment or the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, keep in mind, in 2017 and 2018, San Francisco Bay Area actually increased in price by 10% each year. So I'm not too sorry for those people who live in San Francisco Bay Area for experiencing an 8% decline. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you look at the level of prices, I think that, you know, there's also a mix of sales thing happening where, true, uh, very true. you know, we're we're seeing weakness at the top end of the market. And so that's uh, skewing more to those kind of, you know, unfortunately, the middle <laughs> price categories are still in that kind of one to one and a half million uh, range. And I think that's also kind of exaggerating some of the declines in, in home prices there. But when you step back and look at the levels, we're still looking at, you know, 1.2 to $1.4 million oh, yeah. uh, home prices. So, so prices are still high. And in fact, I think that they'll uh, potentially, you know, level off because again, when you look at supply, which is the other, you know, kind of leg of the stool in October's data is that we saw another um, double-digit decline in supply. And so, again, when you have this kind of growing economy and low levels of unemployment and then active listings, which are down 18%, it does suggest at least that there's, um, you know, not a major decline in prices on the horizon. We're back to this kind of imbalanced market with too much demand and not enough supply. Yeah, I think both you and I are not um, completely surprised with the drop in active listings. I was a little surprised uh, with how big a drop it is of 18%. Maybe you're not, but you know, I I mean, the month before that was 11%, but I was a little surprised with the 18%. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big drop. And I think that for me, this is, you know, what I was saying uh, at this time last year is, was that we were just seeing more of a rebalancing, right? It wasn't a mass mm -hmm. exodus from the market. We saw a little bit more listings come online and, and really go from those kind of low two to 2.3 months of supply back to the three, three and a half months of supply range in which we were you know back at three months again in october um and and as we got back to that what i would consider probably the new normal going forward of about three months uh, then mm -hmm. you see we're kind of going back to those same similar themes where these low rates and good economy are spurring demand for housing uh, and and those kind of longer term structural deficits in new construction have taken back over and come to the fore again and so we're kind of back to this supply constrained uh, environment really driving the show again as it was in in 15 16 and 17. yeah and and i just started i i uh, when i do my presentations or outreaches in the last couple uh, outings, um, I started using some of those um, slides that we used back in 15 and 16 because I want to focus myself on the supply story again. Um, right. Now, you know, we we talk about sales and price and uh, by price segment. Let's talk about supply and price segments too. Are we seeing a similar trend across the price segments or on uh, supply or we're seeing a, a slightly different trend? Pretty much the same same thing, right? So we have that kind of tale of two markets where um, everything from the kind of mid-range down to the entry level is is falling, and yet we have growth in that kind of highest price segment of three million and and above. And so, um, you know, although overall 
inventory was up and supply was up, uh, I think we can expect that there's going to be ongoing weakness, both in terms of, of sales and price at the top end, just because that's the one segment where sales, again, are falling while inventory uh, is growing. But I think for the bottom end of the market, what you see is that those low rates are motivating buyers, but there's not enough uh, inventory out there for them and and actually see that in the competitiveness stats too, right? We're not seeing that normal um, kind of winner spike in time on market and actually uh, the percentage of, of discounting or the sales to list price ratio actually got closer to full asking price last month as well. And so again, I think that, you know, I called it the kind of the boys are back in town, if you will, where those, those kind of familiar themes of lack of inventory and, and competitiveness and rising prices have reared their ugly head again. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, we, we, we do want to talk a little bit more supply um, and we want to talk about housing affordability in a few minutes. Um, before we actually get into that, I do want to um, address, you know, the same concern that we always have before um, in the last few months is that is, you know, even with low interest rates, we're still encountering, you know, sort of kind of a subpar sales level. Uh, we right. talked about it. You talked about it before. It's still, uh, you know, at around 400,000 or so, uh, as compared to let's say 450 or higher. And there are some factors that may not necessarily be just interest rates. Um, can you kind of address some of those factors? Maybe, uh, you know, some yeah, of the definitely. No, I think. Before? Totally. I think that economic uncertainty is a big one, but I think that tax reform is is one of the other ones, right? Because for many parts of California, um, the changes to both the the mortgage interest deduction, the the changes to the standard deduction, and also the cap on state and local income taxes have, in many ways, um, you know, really taken a lot of the wind out of the sails of the incentive to become a homeowner. So when we did our, you know, and this is a plug for our our upcoming consumer survey research, which we're about to put out for 2019, uh, but we saw the percentage of folks who said that, uh, you know, that the mortgage interest deduction is actually important to them in terms of whether they jump into the housing market or not has actually fallen pretty significantly over the course of the last couple of years where, um, you know, it's gone from being a majority of folks that we talked to, almost 60%, in fact, who said it was at least somewhat important to them or moderately important to extremely important. And and that number has fallen to just over, um, you know, half in, in the most recent data. In fact, only about one out of five said it was very or extremely important um, in terms of their decision to buy a home. And so I think that you know, in a lot of cases, that combined with the fact that you you can only deduct $10,000 worth of state and local income taxes means that, you know, for for a lot of these markets, it makes more sense just to take the $24,000 um, standardized deduction. And in fact, you see a big chunk of folks who who aren't jumping into the market because they don't get that, that tax advantage. And that's something that we asked um, directly. And you actually see pretty significant portions of of the consumers out there who are who are holding off because they don't get that tax benefit anymore right and i think you know for those who are affected by the mortgage interest deductions they may be i mean everyone get affected by mortgage interest deduction by a certain extent but you know you would say the the people in the lower price segments may be a little bit more sensitive and the concern that for many of the lower price segment people are more on the supply side rather than the uh, you know the mortgage interest deductions but on the upper end, I know you know it affects our um, you know our top end a little bit, the state and local uh, uh, taxes. 
Uh, yep. It might have the cap on that might have some effect on it, and it reflects our survey. Also reflect that the uh, salt, um, the state and local income tax, the state and local taxes, uh, does have a little bit of an impact. Not a whole lot, but it does have a little bit of an impact. Yeah, I mean, at the margins, right? I think we found almost one out of four uh, consumers that we surveyed said they're much less likely to buy now. And it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Because if you um, are already paying close to $10,000 worth of California income right. tax, you're likely shopping in a fairly high price category, maybe one and a half to two million potentially, um, you know, and and therefore that kind of ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars worth of property tax, um, you know, is no longer going to be able to be deducted just because you're already so close to that to that cap. And so, you know, right. in addition to not being able to deduct all that mortgage interest, then you've got to pay, you know. Ten to twenty thousand dollars worth of property taxes, which are not deductible, and it just makes the cost of home ownership, um, you know, higher and therefore less attractive. Especially when you can take that twenty-four thousand dollars standard deduction, no matter what, even if you just rent, don't, um, you know, fork over the additional money to to make that jump into home ownership. Right, and and you know, it when it, when we said you know it affect their buying decisions, we don't necessarily just mean you know whether they want to buy or or, or not but also how much they want to pay for it. You know, if, if there is a cap for it, they may not want to pay, you know, as high a, a price for the property that they're, that they want to buy and which will incur some property taxes and stuff like that. So I think it affects, you know, the decision overall. Right. And I think that's, you know, something our members want to keep in mind as we work, you know, the top end of the market in particular is that the buyers might be pricing uh, some of that in, in addition to just those market conditions where there's more supply and less demand for those properties with all the economic uncertainty. So you just want to always, you know, to kind of tie it back to what we do as members to to be cognizant of those trends, because if you're working that top end of the market, there is some softness uh, for both kind of policy reasons and also just market condition reasons. So you wanna make sure those things are, are priced right and that your sellers um, you know, are, are kind of prepared for, for a little bit more softness at that top end. Right, now talking about softness, I think uh, we, don't, we are not seeing uh, much of a softness at the national level. I think we just hot off the press, got some uh, numbers from our um, NAR numbers for sales, price, and uh, inventory. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because it looks like the effect of low rates uh, aren't confined to, to just California because sales nationwide were up almost 5%, about 4.6% right. on a on a year-to-year -year basis, although the West region, which you know includes California, was actually down a little bit, although we we managed to post a pretty decent game. <laughs> but you know, it's uh it's it's basically that same story starting to emerge nationwide, right? Where low rates have motivated buyers to jump back into the market. In fact, we did see home ownership uh, also go up in the third quarter, and that was true in California as well. But mm -hmm. as a result, we're kind of back to that same mode where uh, even nationwide supply has fallen and inventory has been down for a number of months uh, in a row. And actually, we're at you know one of the lowest levels of inventory nationwide that we for like 20 been years at or a something. Long time, right? Yeah, for like 20 years, going back to 1999, and um, you know, but that of course also has uh, pushed up uh, home prices as well. And they're growing at around the same pace as what we're growing, 6.2% um, as the national uh, price growth. And we're on, uh, in line with about 6%. And their 6.2% is actually their fastest growth rate since July 2017. So we're experiencing something wow. similar. Yeah, so. 
Um, but yeah, you know, and just kind of getting back to where we were a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, and I think this brings us back to where the kind of rubber meets the road mm-hmm. on some of this stuff is that unfortunately, uh, incomes, although growing, right, <laughs> are still not growing by six point two percent or even six percent to keep pace with with prices. Now, fortunately, we're in that mode where, as you mentioned earlier, right, rates have come down about one hundred and fifteen basis points, and so actually our our number for housing affordability actually improved in the third quarter and and that is definitely great news and i want you to run through all the details of of how that played out but i also just want to kind of uh, pump the brakes on expectations a bit though because even though it improved that's largely a a phenomenon to do with rates and and really a lot of those structural issues with a lack of supply and more quickly rising prices suggest that that may be uh, not the beginning of a of an ongoing trend I think you're absolutely right. You know, we we need to be a little bit. Uh, uh, we might be optimistic for a minute, but then we need to be cautiously optimistic. Let me just give uh, you that some. That means that the news is good, right? So run run through <laughs> what exactly happened, because we don't want to be too too pessimistic here. No, 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 no. So you know, yeah, we have some very good news. You know, we have as far as far as housing affordability con- is concerned, we did increase from the second quarter the third quarter increased uh, from the second from the second quarter by about uh, a percentage point but if you compare that to the third quarter of 2018 a year ago we increased by uh, four basis point uh, from 27 to 31 wow. percent so that means that's a pretty big yeah that is a pretty big jump and you know when we look at you know what is the effect what are the factors behind the increase uh, obviously increase a uh, drop in mortgage rates yeah, yeah. is a big factor uh, we also have some income growth, uh, not six percent though. You know, we have some income growth, but I right, think right. But taking together with the lower rates, it really helps. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if we look at let's say the Bay Area that we looked at earlier with price decrease and also drop in interest rates, uh, it actually led to about you know fifteen percent drop in 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 uh, uh, price, uh, in um, price. So on uh, mortgage payment, which is a, a very um, good uh, uh, relief for many people who live in a Bay Area. Right, because those numbers same, were getting pretty scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But at, uh, now at the same time, uh, we are seeing the 30% is a, a better number. But at the same time, it's not, you know, compared to what we saw, let's say, you know, uh, uh, 10 years ago, it's still very, very low. But if you look at, you know, all uh, throughout uh, the states, the counties in California, many of the counties in California actually drop, uh, actually increase in housing affordability, which is good news. And we expect in the upcoming quarter and maybe the first quarter of um, 2020, the affordability will continue to stay at a, uh, at a level that we're at now or maybe even improve. So that means we, we will have some uh, temporary relief, at least for now. Right. But, you know, when you take a step back and a lot of those challenges are still in place, yes, we had that improvement, but I just, you know, always feel like the the kind of cynic in me wants to make sure that we manage expectations because when you look at some of the the stats, even at this improved level of affordability, we're still talking about a minimum income of about $120,000 to make right. that uh, $3,000 monthly mortgage payment. So even at these low rates, you're talking about 3000 bucks worth of principal interest. And I think that even includes some, some property taxes and insurance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so still a, a fairly high bar that folks uh, 
have to cross. And in fact, Bloomberg had a really good article about uh, affordability and just how we've gotten to where we are that we really, um, you know, recommend that you guys go check out. I think it was published on November 9th. Um, I believe like, so. It's just recently, about a week ago, five days ago. And they had but that was a really great good... article. Can you can you can you kind of just run through the summary of of the highs and lows there? Because I think they really did a great job of of hitting on some of those themes that we've been talking about for a long time and just kind of uh, laying it out there in a really really nice report. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can give you some a quick summary. Now um, they ran into they they took a look at uh, took a look at California and they found that you know the four of the five four of the country's five most expensive residential market. They're actually in California. That includes Silicon Valley, San Francisco, Orange County, and San Diego. And LA actually is number seven. And uh, right now, California accounts for, okay, so you know, in terms of population, it looks like you know, California is about 10, you know, 12% of the US population. Right. But in terms of homeless population, we have a quarter of the homeless population. And that has a lot to do with affordability, housing affordability. Absolutely. Now, if we look, yeah, if we look at, you know, the, um, the share of household income, you talk about this all the time. Yeah. Um, usually when people run the computer and try to find out the cost of housing costs in terms of their household income, what the the, the benchmark is what, about 30%-ish or so, right? 30, 35% is generally considered about the quote unquote right level. Right, guess what the, uh, California is on average. It's terrible. I know that much. <laughs> it's 42%. 42% of California households are cost burden. So that's you know that's that's the the number of people who are cost burden with you know over 30%. And I know you uh, sometime run a uh, number on extreme cost burden, which is what that is like 35. That's like spending half your income right, or more. Half your income. Yeah, and I'm sure California is at a very high level too. I don't have that number right in front of me, but yeah, no, I think we're high. dead last in terms of the percentage of households that are cost burdened, and I think we're second to last um, behind DC when it comes to extreme cost burden. And so, you know, it's it's unfortunately this kind of low interest rate environment helps, but it only helps so much because again, some of these kind of fundamentals that we've really um, fallen behind on have really impeded how much low rates can actually do because again there's still those fundamental obstacles of how much income you need to generate and it really comes down to to you know new construction and I know we've talked about that uh, a lot but they really do a great job of cataloging that because you know we didn't used to be this bad if you go back to the mid 80s when we were like a 27 million person state right we were actually building a decent amount we were building about the the seventh most on a per capita basis um, new housing at that time and Not accommodating bad. this you know phenomenal economic growth we weren't building the most out of any state in the nation but definitely um you know in the top 10 but you know if you look at where we are now we're you know in the Number kind of bottom quartile yeah that bloomberg article has us at 37th worst uh in the in the nation in terms of new construction and yet we still have these fast growing economies and places like the bay area with unemployment rates you know below three percent but we just haven't built the housing to accommodate that and and that really pushes prices and affordability down to these levels that are are very hard for for folks to make that jump into home ownership yeah and you if you look at the actual number um you know we need 
based on you know, some of the government statistics, we need about 180,000 uh, housing units to be built every year in order to keep up with the population growth. But we're only building about 130,000 in 2019. That's how significant it is in terms of a lack of housing or like a lack of new housing units. And right. we have been building less for last, what, 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, we've been building around 100,000 units since the recession ended or even uh, a little bit less. And so, you know, every year we're basically adding between 80 to 100,000 units onto the backlog. Uh, and so that 180,000 that the state is estimating is really just to tread water and just to keep up with our population growth. That does nothing to address the the kind of accumulated shortfall of decades worth of, of underbuilding. And in fact, over the last decade, Again, we've dumped another, you know, 80 to 100,000 units into that backlog pile mm -hmm. that we still need to address. And that's how you end up in a situation where you've got, a, you know, at least a couple of million housing units too few in the state and why we're, you know, in the in the position we are where we're the least, you know, affordable state in the nation or the most uh, households who are cost burdened, extremely cost burdened, and right. and one of the lowest home ownership rates in the nation. And so, um, you know, that's why, although, you know, the first half or whatever of this talk that we've done has really uh, been mostly positive that rates are helping sales and prices to continue to move forward, that we don't want to over celebrate because this fundamental lack of supply still means, uh, you know, high income required high down payments right? right you see that when you look at the financial characteristics not to shamelessly plug our our consumer survey uh again but but talk about some of the down payment numbers and just the financial characteristics that we're seeing uh that consumers have to meet just to get into home ownership less this year yeah now, if you just look at, you know, the survey data, it suggests that, you know, people need a down payment of a six-figure down payment, 100,000, 110, 120,000, depending on, you know, where you're at in terms of your uh, homeownership status. But for first-time buyers, for example, you know, first-time buyers, they're not putting a 20% down and they still, you know, have to come up with a 30, uh, 40,000 down payment. Now, for repeat right. buyers, it's a much higher number. But for first-time buyers, it's actually hit them really hard because, you know, if you take a look at some of the survey data that we 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 collected, you know, one of the reasons why people are not buying right now or buying uh, a little sooner, especially for many of the first-time buyers, is because they need to save enough down payment. You know, they need right. to figure out their finance, but they also need to figure out their down payment. You know, for many of the first-time buyers, maybe they have they can save. I don't know, like five hundred or a thousand dollars every month, if that much. And even right. if you have to save that much, you need what five, six, seven years to come up with a down payment. And by then, the down payment has already increased. Right, exactly. And as we showed, a lot of those folks on the rental side are cost burdened, and they're not able to save anywhere close to a thousand bucks a month. And so, um, the time just grows exponentially and i think that's also why you know we see the familiar theme where more and more folks <laughs> are are choosing to to leave the state in fact the new census data came out uh and showed that we had you know the largest amount of out migration right. since the recession ended last year and we've seen that uh you know in our own survey data right where they're quoting that they're doing that and they're doing it because of of housing affordability Right now, if you just look at the overall, you know, maybe about 20, 25 percent moved uh, out of uh, of the of their city or the county 
because of housing affordability issue. But if you look at the first-time buyers, almost half of them moved out of the uh, area that they're uh, accustomed to living in because of affordability. Some right. may have moved out of California entirely. Um, and I think you know many of those, you, you, I think in some of your presentation before, some of those who moved out of California are people that we need to, um, to work in California. Some of the people that are you know, service workers. Right. Um, yeah. And I and I think that's why it's going to become more than just a housing issue. This is going to be an economic issue, right? Because it was a lot of uh, the construction workers that we need to build the new housing. It was the police and firefighters, the teachers that we need um, to, to make sure that we have that skilled workforce moving forward. And so, um, you know, I think that the people who do stay here are going to unfortunately stay put longer. And so we kind of have this compound effect where not only are we not building enough but the homes that we do have people are sitting in them longer and longer because you know they have no other options and the housing options that are available out there are expensive there's tax advantages to staying right. in your home uh, and we saw that again this year in 2019 in our survey research as well that you know the the median time that the seller had lived in their home before they sold was 11 years so we've been in the double digits now uh, for I think five or six years in a right. row where it used to run only about five to six years. Yeah, it used to be like five or six or seven years, but uh, it's just gone up quite significantly. I don't think that is going to change uh, anytime soon, especially since um, we do have a lot of um, the uh, older generations actually staying at their uh, place for um, a little bit longer for baby boomers and silent generations. They stay actually for 15 to 25 years. Um, and those and, are the ones uh, who sold, mind you, right? So the ones right, who are right. still there, the average is obviously going to be much higher than that. And they are the homeowners, as you said, you know. The, so it's uh, it's uh, an issue that I think uh, we have to uh, tackle. And I don't think it's a short. Uh, we might have a, we have any short-term solution right now. So um, we will have to continue to discuss that issue uh, for you know the years to come. Right. That's something we're going to continue to monitor over time. Now the good news, though, is that the economy. <laughs> Um, does seem like it's got a little bit of a, a, a signs of life out there. We got consumers, which have largely driven the show for all of consumer, uh, sorry, all of economic growth this cycle. Uh, do seem to have bounced back, and retail sales were actually up in in October after they fell last month. It wasn't a huge increase, but uh, on an annual basis, it's still a couple of percentage points. And so, um, you know, with with the market, I think. Still in question, the fact that consumers are still out spending is is definitely a positive sign. And of course, here in California, uh, the economy also showed some signs of life in October. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is because you know the retail sales increased, consumer spending increases because of the improved in uh, in uh, employment. We have unemployment rate uh, dropped down to a new record low of 3.9% in October, which is good. It added about uh, 23, 24,000 non-farm payroll jobs. It's good for um, you know gearing up for the holiday season, and I'm sure it's, uh, holiday right. season we probably have a little bit more uh, hiring. Uh, to happen, and um, which is a good thing because you know these the job expansion um, is actually at a record um, length with uh, 116 months, which is surpassing the long expansion that we experienced in 1960s, which is a good thing. Right. Yeah, definitely. And we're we're kind of punching above our weight, or at least we had been up until the last couple of years, because you know as you mentioned before, we're only about 12% of the nationwide population base. 
but we've been uh, about 15% of the overall job growth since the recession ended. And so, um, you know, that's a testament to California's strong economy, but also in and of itself kind of raises a, a warning sign for the future because over the last year, we haven't been outpacing the rest of the nation. And that I think is down to the housing affordability and housing supply issues. So uh, we wanna make sure we get out there and advocate for housing supply whenever we can. But the good news is that the economy is uh, is in pretty decent shape in October compared to where mm -hmm. it was over the course of the prior two months. And the housing market moved forward as well with both sales and prices increasing, albeit uh, with less supply on the market. So I think that we will uh, go ahead and leave it there and we will circle back with you all after the holidays. Thank you so much for joining us for the Housing Matters podcast. We will see you next time. All right. See you next time. Have a good one.